Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you that you are Lord of all. God, you are worthy to be praised here this morning. God, we thank you that we can get together here and just worship who you are as a person and what you've done for us, Lord, and what you continue to do. That you're living God that answers prayers and, and is the Jehovah Jireh. so good, so worthy. God, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. morning, church family. Well, this, I'm sad to say, will be my last time preaching in the Discipleship Series, and it's going to conclude next week, and Pastor Terry will be finishing the series, and I thought it would be fitting um, in my last week, as we talked last week about the cost of discipleship, where Jesus challenged the followers. He said, if you come after me, you need to count the cost. You need to understand where I'm going and what you're called to. And I thought it would be fitting this week to end my portion of the series with the Apostle Paul's final last words to us. And so today's message is called Unashamed, and we're going to be looking through multiple passages about what it means to be unashamed and not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's important for us to realize in our faith that it's not built or based on circumstances. Last week I shared a story that was heartbreaking. This week... All around the world, we've seen things happen all over, from bombings to explosions of a plant to an earthquake. Hundreds of lives have been lost. But for the Christian, our hope is not in our circumstances of this life. We can have joy in spite of our circumstances moving forward because we have been promised eternity. 
And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have eternity already. We don't have to wait until death to enter into eternity. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I've already started living eternity with my God and Savior. And so our circumstances don't matter. We can praise God in the midst of a trial or on, on the peak of incredible things happening in our life. And the same is true in your life personally as well as our church. This morning's message, I hope, is going to be encouraging, challenging for those of you who are Christians. But for those of you who are not Christians, it may be exactly opposite of that as we're going to be talking about the end of Paul's life as we're reading through Scripture because that hope is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. I hope you know it's, it's my desire and I know it's Terry's desire. We don't want you just to know about the Christian faith. We don't want you just to come to church and get a little glimpse of it every now and then. We want you to experience it daily in your life, in your marriages, in your relationships, at your workplace. We want this to be living in you and through you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference there. We see that all through Scripture. People knew a lot about God, but they didn't know God. And that's what my life looked like early in my life. I knew a lot about God, but I wasn't a follower of Him. And it wasn't until God reached down and wrapped His arms around me and I recognized who He was and I recognized who I was. And that's when it came alive to me. So I hope you are alive in this experience in Christ. Would you please pray with me as we dig into Scripture this morning? God, I know there is nothing that I can say on my own that is going to have any benefit this morning. Holy Spirit, use me. Use your word as your word is promised. It is effective and sharp. God, may we as a church and as Christians not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the hope of salvation. God, help us to be encouraged despite what our circumstances are, despite what the doctor's news has said, despite what the phone calls we receive. God, our hope is in you. Help us to live in that daily. Break our hearts today. Show us how we need to change and how to conform to your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Romans chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, if everyone can turn to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to be starting in verse 13. This is Paul. And we're going to be in, starting in verse 13, and I'm going to read until verse 15, Romans chapter 1. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but have thus far been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greek and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who win are Rome. So we have Paul, and his deepest desire is to go to Rome. And we've seen through Scripture that people have came up to him and say, Paul, listen, listen, if you go to Rome, you're going to be in prison there. And Paul says, I know. The Holy Spirit has already told me this as well. And he says, but I'm ready to go to Rome. And he says, not only am I ready to go to Rome, I'm ready to go to Rome and die for the gospel. And that's what he says. He says, I know I'm going to be in prison. And he's not sure if he's going to die or not, but he says, I'm ready to go. And the illustration was given to him 
and his feet were bound and his hands were bound and he already knew it, but he was being obedient and he was saying, I have a desire to go to Rome. By this time that Paul wrote this, he's been in ministry for approximately 15 years. I think we forget that. I know I do as I'm reading through. I think these things happen quickly. He's been in ministry 15 years, starting churches, going around, ministering, and he was most likely on his third missionary journey. It's important for us to realize that as a church, we don't jump around with ADD. We do things deliberately, purposefully, steadfastly, and what God has called us to, we're not in a hurry. We never see Jesus running in scriptures. He's not in a hurry. He accomplishes his will on his time. And as a church, when we're obedient to him, we're going to do the same. And so Paul, for 15 years, has been wanting to go to Rome, but he has not yet been able to go. And so as a church, I'm excited to share with you, God has been doing some incredible things in our church. On your way out of church this morning, I want to make sure all of you pick up, we have a quarterly update that we want to give to you as family. We want you to know what's going on in your church because you are the church. And many of you have been involved in ministries and things going on. I just want to briefly update you on a couple of these things because I am excited about what God is doing in our church. And when we see what he's doing, we should be excited, jump on board and continue in this effort. Just a couple of days ago, there was an incredible women's ministry event. There was over 100 people here at our church for this women's event. Many women from outside of the community who aren't even followers, they don't believe in God. I had even, even heard many people say, I will never step in church. And they were at this event. That is so exciting that our church is doing things like that. We have a prayer ministry that meets every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. We encourage you, get involved. This is your church. It's your family. 9 a.m. every morning. I heard so many so many praises last week of the message saying that was the best message you've preached. And I can tell you there was nothing I did special and it was nothing I've said, no preparation. I'm saying the only reason last week was effective at all, I believe, and why it was powerful is because that was the first start of our Sunday morning prayer ministry and they prayed specifically for the message and for your hearts in our church. God honors that. And so I want this prayer ministry to continue to grow. So I encourage you, 9 a.m. every Sunday morning. We have interns here at our church who are growing in ministry, learning how to be a minister. We have people right now who are currently going through that. That's exciting news. It's exciting when us as pastors hear through the grapevine all the incredible things our deacons are doing. They're in the hospitals. They're doing visitation. They're setting up feed or food schedules to drop off food. They're doing an incredible job. We have more classes going at our church right now than ever before. We have more people involved, lay people who are not paid staff more than ever before running ministries, teaching core classes, leading prayer groups, connect groups, exciting, exciting things. And so I want you to know, because we have heard it said when we're out in the Marco community, what is going on over at the family church? We hear there's no leadership and everything is falling apart. And you can tell them there is leadership here. It's the person of Jesus Christ. He is our leader. We're following him. And God is doing incredible things. Because as a church, he and him alone is the person we look to for our hope. 
He's the person we look to for our direction. His word is what we go to. And so God is doing these incredible things here because he cares about this church more than we care about this church. It's his church. The gospel, or his word says, the church was what he died for. It's his bride. And he cares more about his bride than I ever could. So let's continue in obedience to him as a church. And as we do that, I just want to give a brief prayer of praise to God. And we're going to watch for the worship team to come out this time. But we're going to give a brief... Brief prayer for God, just praising him for what he's doing, that he may continue to do that and ignite our hearts in ministry. Let's pray. God, we do praise you for what you are doing in our church. God, we see from Paul that he was in ministry many, many, many years, and it takes time to establish these things, and it's by your will. God, we do praise you for what you are doing. I have never been more excited in my time in ministry than I am now. I'm seeing more marriages restored, relationships fixed. I'm seeing more people get involved in ministry, more volunteers than ever before. God, and this is nothing we've done. It's all about you and for you and for your glory, and we praise you for that. God, continue to work in our church. Continue to work in our hearts. Help us to be obedient to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want everyone to take a look back in verse 16. And we're going to look back in verse 16, and it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We see Paul firmly state, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's important to remember this because we're going to go through the times he says this later in scripture. But here, he's saying, I am not ashamed and I'm ready to go. Later, we see in scripture, Paul did in fact get to go to Rome and he preached the gospel there. And as we continue reading in the New Testament, we read in Philippians that because of his preaching, he was thrown in jail. And so that prophecy came true. He was thrown in jail. And this is where I would like for us to pick up. So he says, I am not ashamed. I want to go to Rome. I'm willing to die. He goes to Rome. He's thrown in jail. And this is where we're going to pick up in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. This was only a few short years after Romans. So Paul is now in Rome. He's imprisoned. Philippians chapter 1. I'll be in verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Remember, he's in jail right now. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. So we see Paul is in a real bind here. He's in jail now. And before he adamantly stated, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And now he's in jail. And do, do you see how the words changed a little bit? I mean, Paul is just a man. And now he's saying, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed 
but will honor Jesus Christ in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul understands that at any moment, he's either going to be flayed alive, burned at the stake, thrown to the lions in the Colosseum, beheaded. He, he's not sure, and he says, it is my eager expectation. Please, church, pray for me. I hope, I hope that I don't dishonor my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's sending this letter to the church, and he's saying, it is my eager expectation. I don't want to be ashamed. Paul understands his flesh, like my flesh, and like your flesh, is weak. He knows that at any moment, while they're torturing him, trying to get him to say, not Christ is Lord, but Caesar is Lord. Because he was being blasphemous in that culture by saying Christ is Lord. He knows at any moment while he's being tortured that they're trying to get him to recant of that. Saying, no, Caesar is Lord. And so he's saying, whatever they do to me, I pray that throughout this circumstance, this trial, that I may be steadfast and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. As it happened... Paul survived this imprisonment and was set free. And so continuing just a few short years down the road, we have an emperor named Nero who greatly persecuted all the Christians and Paul was again imprisoned. And so now we're going to be picking up in 2 Timothy. This is Paul's last book to us, his final writings to us. And we know from this time in history that while he was writing this, he didn't make it out this time. And it's important to understand and realize this as we're looking in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that this is Paul's final book, his final last words to us. And I want to begin in verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. So, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. So we see here by this time in Paul's life, he went from, I know, to later, I hope, I hope. And now he's back and he's saying, do not. It's a command here. He's saying, do not be ashamed. And then listen on. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has called us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the peering of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until this day. We see here that Paul was not trusting in his circumstances because he made it out of jail once, but he knew who Nero was. And he was saying, listen, I know that I kind of wavered in my faith earlier, and I was saying, I hope. And now he's saying, I know, and I have entrusted, and I'm going to go forward with this. Church, stay strong. And then he goes on, I know whom I have believed. Why would anyone put their trust in eternity? Why would anyone have joy in prison? How does this happen? That's what non-Christians are asking. 
Why are we wasting our time here is what they're thinking. But listen, listen to Paul's words. Because I know. Paul knew. He had an assurance of salvation. You need to have an assurance of your salvation, your assurance of your promise of God. He said, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What have you entrusted to Jesus Christ? Is it your, just your health, blessings of this world, your finances, your marriage, your children? Have you entrusted all those things to him saying, whatever circumstances happen in this life, I know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to change that. And whether by life or death or torture or fire, whatever happens as a follower of Jesus Christ, I will not move because of what he's done for me. That's how our attitude should be. And that's what we see Paul. And as we come to a close, we see right after this was written, a brief amount of time, Paul was taken and he was beheaded. He was taken and soon after he wrote these words, he was beheaded in Rome and joined a long list of martyrs for the faith. That's why last week we saw that Jesus said, if you come and follow me, know that you are called to die to self. That's not the Christian message that I hear most of the time presented on TV. But that's what, what we are called to do. Now there is joy, there is blessings, there are so many things in this life that God has given us. So some of those things we hear, they are true. But we are also called to take on death of self, dying to sin, and living for Him. I want us to take a look as we come to the close in the series, at least on my portion, of a list of some of the martyrs. Because this is evidence. This is evidence of what a true life follower of Jesus Christ looked like. The evidence, Stephen was stoned, the first martyr here in the New Testament. James was beheaded. Philip the apostle was crucified. And according to the account, Philip was preaching and a wife of a governor of a city was saved. Miraculously saved, she turned to faith in Jesus Christ and this enraged the governor. The governor was so upset his wife was now a Christian that he ordered for Philip to be crucified upside down because he saved his wife. And it's stated in history that even while Philip was crucified upside down, do you know what he did? He preached the gospel during his crucifixion. That's an evidence of what we are called to do as followers of Jesus Christ in whatever circumstance. Hopefully none of us are going to be crucified upside down, but we are called to continue to proclaim what this looks like. Matthew killed with a spear. James was beaten with a club after being stoned. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Andrew, Peter's brother, was also crucified. Mark was dragged out into the streets and then he was beheaded. These are the disciples that I'm going through here, many of them. Peter was crucified upside down because he did not consider himself fit to be crucified the same way Jesus was, his Lord. He said, I can't do that. That's how my Savior was crucify me differently. Bartholomew flayed alive and crucified. Thomas killed by the spear in AD 72. Many, many, many years after Christ. It's continuing on. It's happening all over the world still today. People are being crucified or killed because of their faith. 
Luke was hanged, John the Baptist beheaded. As discouraging all of that is, I want you to understand what Paul's mindset was. So before I end, I want you to hear at the end of 2 Timothy in chapter 4, listen to what Paul says. And this should give us confidence, encouragement, because our faith is not in our circumstances, and neither was Paul's. Listen to his boldness. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I pray that every single one of us may be able to state this at the end of our life. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will, there is no doubt in his voice, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to who? All who have longed for his appearing. May we truly understand the gospel of grace, the gospel of freedom in life circumstances, eternity starting now with our Heavenly Father. May we truly understand what it means to long for His appearing. We see Paul about to go and be beheaded, and he says, I am finishing strong, and he has joy. We're Christians in here. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can have Joy in the midst of your circumstances and trials because of what God has already done for you on your behalf. Let us live in that joy as we continue to honor and glorify Him as a church. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to begin to distribute communion. Let me pray. God, we thank You for today. God, we thank You for what You've done for us. God, we are so unworthy. So many times we fail and mess up. I pray that it is our heart's desire to want to glorify you in everything we think and say and do. As we look at the life of Paul and how he was imprisoned, he said, I I am not ashamed of the gospel. Help us to not be ashamed of the gospel, whatever that may look like in our own life. God, we do have joy and freedom in you. God, we can celebrate today because of what you've done, but help us never to forget what we're called to be. In Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.